Welcome to the New Song Church Sermon Podcast. Here at New Song, we want to help people get to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions about us or want to learn more, you can check us out online at www.new-song-church.com. We'd love for you to stay connected with us throughout the week through our church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. Just search keyword New Song. And now, check out our message of the week. If you're ready to study the Word of God, say, God is good. Okay, say, God is so good. I had insomnia last night. And, uh, and I was laying there in bed. Couldn't I? It happens most Saturdays for me, to be honest with you, as I'm thinking about today and thinking about this, this moment, actually, right here. And, and I, I, was, um, as I was trying to go to sleep last night. I remembered a, a, a CD. Actually, back in the day, it was a cassette. It was a cassette tape that my dad gave me uh, from this worship leader called uh, Terry Clark. Was his name? Anybody ever hear of Terry Clark before? No. He was he was with Maranatha Singers uh, again back in the '80s. And Dad said, "Hey, Justin, you got to listen to this song." And I realize now that I was enjoying music back in the '80s, never knowing that I was going to be a minister of music for almost a decade. And uh, he played the song for me, and I'll, I'll never forget it. And, it, and I just, uh, last night as I'm in bed, I'm literally going, God, you're so good to me. You've always been so good to me. And I, as I was sitting there thinking, man, I got to, so here I am, like early wee hours of the morning, you know, on Amazon Music saying, I wonder if Terry Clark is on, <laughs> it's on Amazon. And sure enough, he was. So I downloaded some of his stuff and listened to it today, and and uh, he was well, be, uh, well ahead of his time. Now we look back and say, wow, that's so 80s. But back then, he was really cool, everybody. And uh, how many was cool in the 80s? You were really cool back in the 80s. How many know you're not cool now? Yeah, we're not, <laughs> we're not cool now. How many do, we don't care, though, either, do we? We don't, we don't care. It is what it is. So let's study the Word of God. Get out your sermon notes. We are continuing this series on the kingdom. Last week, we talked about... Um, uh, really God's design, that God never designed a democracy. Remember that? He designed a kingdom. He designed a kingdom. And, um, and his kingdom is perfect because he's the perfect king. But man came and we sinned and we declared independence from God and independence from that kingdom. And Adam and Eve literally led just a revolt against God. And it seemed so insignificant at the moment. They just gave into a little temptation, but it actually changed the course of mankind, not just their course, but it changed the entire course of mankind. But God knew it all along, and um, he, he had a kingdom in mind all along, and so he sent his son, and what did Jesus do? He, he, he went around, and we're going to study it today, talking about the kingdom of God. I want you to write this down, number one, kingdom in the Greek, in parentheses, write down basileia, basileia. Um, it, Basileia. It, in the Greek, it's used in the New Testament 163 times. 163 times. And very rare, that word kingdom in the Greek in the New Testament, very rare is that actually talking about a, a specific location like heaven, okay? Uh, in fact, everybody, I'm going to prove to you today that when, when the New Testament speaks about the kingdom of God, it's talking about something that you might have never known or never fully understood, but you're going to understand it today. The kingdom of God means the power, the authority, and the rule of God. Now, 
There are different terms. You'll, you'll read different theologians, and they might say sovereign power. Or they might say you know, a couple of other words, but that's always what it comes down to. All of them agree with those words, the power, the authority, and the rule of God. So the power, letter A, write this down. We're going to get right into it. The power is the ability to accomplish. Power is the ability to accomplish. The ability to accomplish. It, it means if you have power over somebody, you just have the ability to accomplish what you want to accomplish, okay? Um, so if I'm arm wrestling my sons, um, I, I have power over my sons. I have the, they don't, they probably hate this illustration, um, but I have the power to accomplish something when I arm wrestle my kids. How many, how many are like me? You can still beat up your kids. How many of you cannot beat up your kids? Okay, okay. I'm, so, I'm sorry for you guys, but this is what a ruggedly handsome, burly man looks like right here, all right? The power, power is the ability to accomplish. Authority is the delegated right, the delegated right to use that power. So somebody, so you have power and somebody says, hey, I'm going to give you authority. I'm going I'm to delegate onto you the responsibility of using that power if and when you, you need to. And then C is rule, and that is to utilize that power and authority. So it's power, it's the ability to accomplish authority, the delegated right to use that power. And to rule is to actually utilize that power or you could say it this way, be ready to utilize that power. You could utilize that power at any time. You could utilize that authority at any time. Okay, so let me give you an illustration of that. Let's say that, that the United States, uh, let's say that we have a stealth bomber. Uh, just by the name itself, bomber, you know that it has power. It has the ability to destroy something, right? It has the, the ability to take out a town or a village or whatever, and, and, and the people who are flying that stealth bomber, they have authority. They have, they, they have been delegated the responsibility of using that power if and when called upon. How many got, got what I'm saying right now? Now, rule means we can utilize that power. We can utilize that authority whenever we want to, whenever we need to, in order to accomplish the overall goal, in, in, in order to to rule, in order to dominate, in order to have dominion. Now, how often do we actually tell stealth bomber pilots, hey, drop it, you know, drop that bomb? Well, we, we rarely do that, but we have the power, and they have the authority, and therefore, everybody, we're known as a, not just because of stealth bombers, but because of all of the weapons in our arsenal, including our military, everybody, uh, right now, we, we are a world power. Everybody see what that means. How many are grateful for our military, too, by the way? Isn't that cool? we got a lot of military personnel here, and I want you to know if that's you, we love you. We appreciate you. So, power, so the kingdom of God, then, is the power and the authority and the rule of God. The power, the authority, and the rule of God. So when you read the word kingdom in the New Testament, you need, uh, you need to flip a switch in your mind and say, I know what kingdom means. Kingdom means the power, the authority, and the rule of God. Now, I'm going to show you some examples in Scripture, and I'm going to take the word kingdom out, and I'm going to replace it with power, authority, and rule, and you're going to see um, uh, something that, that should come alive inside of you, 
And then we'll get to how it applies to you and to your family at the end, at the end of this. In fact, so what I started doing, because Jesus preached the kingdom of God all the time. Like all the time. You think, okay, so let me ask you this. If I were to say, hey, you tell me the main subject of Jesus preaching. Some of you would just automatically, you'd think of Jesus and say, well, love. Oh, he, he, preached, he preached grace. He preached mercy. Can I tell you, more than any other subject that we read in the New Testament, Jesus preached the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. In fact, as I started researching this, I went to the book of Matthew and really looked at Jesus' first words from his first sermon. Okay, So this is the first time that he's expressing himself in the book of Matthew. And this is, and, and this is when he just starts public ministry. Ready for this? Matthew chapter 4. Verses 12 and 13 says, When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he went and he lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake, in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali. Now verse 17. So it it describes a a prophecy just before that about that area. Verse 17 says, From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So one of the first things that we see Jesus is preaching is repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now let's change that a little bit. Repent for the power and the authority and the rule of God has come near. Now, was Jesus a full representation of the power and the authority and the rule of God? Okay, and he was coming near. He said, no, no, repent. The kingdom of God is here. The power, the authority, the rule of God is here. Now, it's so interesting in the book of of Matthew. Actually, let me just show this to you. It might be just as quick. Let's go to the book of Matthew chapter 10. And I was just reading this in my devotions, completely separate from the the sermon. In Matthew chapter 10, it says that Jesus called, verse 1, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and he gave them authority. He gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. And then verse 2 through 4 says, by the way, here, here are, here's the list of Jesus' disciples. Okay, So it goes, here are the names of the first 12, Simon, um, Andrew, James, John, and he goes on to list all of the 12 disciples. Verse 5 says, these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. So this is the first sign in, in the New Testament that we have of what, of what Jesus is telling those 12 disciples to go out and do, to go out and say, to go out among the Gentiles. Or, or he said, when you go into the Gentiles or in any town of the Samaritans, go rather, like, don't go to them. Go to the lost sheep of Israel. And that's a sermon for another day. Go, and as you go, he says, as you go out, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, Jesus says, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons freely you have received, freely give. So he said, hey, listen, 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 disciples, come to me. I'm about to send you out. And and when you go out, I want you to preach the kingdom of heaven, and I want you to heal the sick and raise the dead and cleanse those who have leprosy and drive out demons. What he was saying was, 
I want you to preach the power and the authority and the rule of God. And by the way, I also want you to demonstrate the power and the authority and the rule of God when you pray for people, when you drive out demons, when, when you heal the sick, when, when, when you see oppressed people set free, you'll know and they'll know that the kingdom of God has actually come, that the power and the authority and the rule of God has actually come. So I want you to preach it and I want you to demonstrate it. Everybody with me so far? Okay, how many, how many think that there's a, probably a good chance that Jesus still wants his church to demonstrate the kingdom of God? And in fact, it's not just a chance, it's a certainty, everybody. I'm going to prove that to you in this, in this series. So that's in Matthew. So then it hit me, I wonder what the first thing is said in the book of Mark. And, and Luke and John, I want to know, like, what... What's the first thing, the first contact that Jesus has with people or the first sermon that he preaches, not only in the book of Matthew, but I wonder what's said in the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all of the four gospels. Like, what's the first thing that Jesus emphasizes? Are you ready for this? And you're going to see the kingdom of God is important. The book of Mark says, as Jesus, I'm sorry, as John was put in prison, verse 114, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news Verse 15, the time has come, he said. The kingdom of God, the power, the authority, the rule of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So that, that is also recorded in the book of Mark. Now let's look at the book of Luke. Now, now Luke is very descriptive. So you know Luke starts out with the entire Christmas story, right? I mean, just the entire Christmas story. And it takes several chapters. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 4, but this is still showing the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. And remember, uh, he was handed a scroll as he's in the synagogue, and he goes to a certain portion of Scripture, and he says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me too. Okay, so stop right there. Jesus is saying, because he's about to say, hey, this is fulfilled in your hearing today, that I have been anointed too, and he's about to give you his purpose for coming. Everybody with me so far? So the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to, here we go, proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, and to set free the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So everybody stop right there. What he's saying in this, you could say this, everybody, as we just read previously, we could say this, that Jesus is saying, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he's anointed me to preach and demonstrate the kingdom of God. He has anointed me to teach and demonstrate the power and the authority and the rule of God. And how was he saying he was doing that? Well, I'm, I'm going to proclaim the good news. I'm going to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, and set free the oppressed, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Everybody see that? So he's preaching and teaching. Even at that moment, he's saying, hey, this is the kingdom of God that, that the prophet was prophesying about. Now, same chapter, just a, a few verses later, Verse 42, at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place, and the people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving, but he said, I must proclaim the good news of the power and the authority and the rule of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. So he said, one of the first things that he says 
to these people is, hey, the reason I'm sent is to proclaim the, the kingdom of God. Now look at the book of John, chapter 3. Again, one of the first things that's, that Jesus says. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council, and he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. And Jesus replied to him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now, I want to show you something that some of you might be a little bit shocked with this statement. Because every time we read the story of Jesus and Nicodemus, we always focus on being born again. Because that was what, well, well, Nicodemus says, well, born again? How do you expect me to go back into my mother's womb born again? I don't get that. And so we focus on being born again. But that was not originally Jesus' main thought. His main thought to Nicodemus was very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God. No one, he's still preaching and teaching the kingdom of God. Even to Nicodemus, now he is teaching being born again, of course he is. But he's, he's primarily teaching, hey, if you want to see the power, the authority, and the rule of God, you've got to be born again. So the end goal, let me say it this way, the end goal wasn't just to be born again. The end goal was to experience the power and the authority and the rule of God. How many see that now in Scripture? That was the main goal that Jesus was teaching Nicodemus. It's not just about being born again. It's about seeing and experiencing and proclaiming the power, the authority, and rule of God. New song, can I tell you something? God didn't save you just so you could go to heaven. He didn't save you just so that you could have eternal life. He saved you so that you could have life now. Like, he saved you not just you could, so that you could experience God's power and authority and rule in heaven. He saved you because he wants you to experience God's power and authority and rule right now. You were meant to experience that. In fact, you're meant to proclaim that, too. It's the will of God for us. So, so Jesus talking to Nicodemus about the kingdom of God, and he talks about being born again, and, and Nicodemus kind of takes a sidetrack with Jesus, like, born again. And Jesus probably is thinking, well, okay, we'll come back to the kingdom of God then. Because apparently I have to explain this, this, this teaching, this elemental thought to Nicodemus about being born again spiritually. You see what I'm saying? How many have ever, Jesus has tried to teach you something and sometimes you get a little off track? And sometimes you're a little distracted and sometimes you don't get actually what Jesus is trying to show you. That's happened to me a lot of times where Jesus is trying to show me something, but I have my own thoughts, I have my own attitude, I have my own things I want to talk, talk to Jesus about. And sometimes uh, Jesus will bring me back and say, you know what? I always just wanted to have this talk, though. Uh, okay. Well, I was trying to distract you, Jesus. <laughs> like, hey, look, what's that? Let's, let's focus on that, because I don't want to deal with that right now. And how many know if you keep putting off that thing that, that you don't want to deal with with Jesus, he'll keep coming back. He'll, he'll keep bringing you back to that thing. He'll keep bringing, because he wants that thing to be solved in, in your life, no doubt about it. Okay, so, so, so everybody get it so far. So when you read the the, the the New Testament, and you come across the word basileia, you come across the word kingdom, 
the vast majority of the time, it's actually referring to the power and the authority and the rule of God. Everybody see that so far? It's just foundational. The power, the authority, and the rule of God. Now, write this down, number two. So the Bible then, we talked about it last week as well. We'll continue this thought. The Bible is not about religion. It's never been about religion. The Bible is not about religion. It is about the king, not a king. It is about the king, his kingdom, and his royal family. Many of you have never heard any teaching like this before. But this is the truth. This is the truth. When when God put Adam and Eve into the garden, he said, hey, listen, I want you to colonize this earth, and I want you to dominate. I want you to have dominion over this earth, and I want you to be fruitful and multiply and fill it and rule over this earth. Why? Because it was always about a kingdom. It was always about God uh, colonizing this earth, forming this earth in order to extend and establish his kingdom. And to that we still pray. Here's proof. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on the earth as it's done in heaven. We realize, Father, that your kingdom left the earth upon Adam and Eve's sin, and we're calling your kingdom back. We're calling your power, your authority, and your rule back to the earth. That's what you're praying. Everybody see that? Let your kingdom come. Let your power, let your authority, let your rule come so that things would be accomplished in the earth exactly the way that they're accomplished in heaven. Because see, when God says something in heaven, it's just done. And Jesus is saying, you need to pray that way. That the way something is spoken in heaven and it is accomplished, that that same thing could be spoken here on the earth and it will be accomplished. Oh, this is good stuff, everybody. You got to get a hold of this. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you some things, but before we go any further, I'm going to pray for you, okay? So let, let's pray. Heavenly Father, open up our hearts and our minds to hear your word. Not my opinion, God, but your truth. Plant your truth deep in our hearts so that it would grow and produce a harvest. Lord, I bless New Song Church with ears to hear and a mind to understand who they are called to be in Christ Jesus as sons and daughters of the king. We are now kings and priests. Lord, take that truth and plant it inside of all of us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. It is so important that you get this new song, that the Bible is not about religion. It is about the king his kingdom, and his royal family. Now, I've got good news for you because a lot of you might be hung up on the royal family part and say, well, in the Old Testament, that's probably the, the, you know, just the Jews, the, the Hebrew nation. And it will, it will, can, I, can I tell you that? We're not in Old Testament times. That we're in a dis, different dispensation, and the Bible says that um, uh, uh, any, anybody, everybody who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. They will be born again. They'll be brought into the kingdom of God. Remember we said last week that God transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son that he loves. Everybody remember that? So, so that being said, if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are part of his royal family. Now, 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 now listen, are, are, you, are you a, uh, 
Let, let me say it like this. Sometimes we think, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a, uh, a subject of the king because we focus on service. And yes, we are supposed to serve the king. He is the king. But I, I need you to get past the point that you think that you're a subject to, to get to the point that you know that you're a son or a daughter. That you're a son or a daughter. Okay, so that, that means that, that um, we are now um, citizens of, of this kingdom, but as citizens, we're automatically adopted into the family of God, and now our sons and daughters. That's what the Bible says. We have been adopted. So our father is actually the king, and we are part of his kingdom. And by the way, we represent his kingdom on the earth. We are representatives of that kingdom. And he says, I want you to represent me on the earth. And he's given us, the Bible says, for instance, a ministry of reconciliation. Why do we have that ministry? Because the Bible says very clearly that God reconciles man to himself through his son, Jesus Christ. But he says, no, now you have that ministry. Why? Because we are his representatives in the earth. Let, let me say it this way. We are taking over or working, we're, we're working in our father's business. Okay, our, our father has a business and as his sons and daughters, we're to be about that business. It's just the way it works. I'm going to prove that to you in a second. So the Bible is not about religion. It is about the king, his kingdom, and his royal family. And number three, Jesus came to teach and demonstrate the kingdom, both what it is and what it is not. Okay, so Jesus came to teach and demonstrate the kingdom, the power, the authority, and the rule of God, both what it is and what it is not. Now, these verses are not going to be up on the screen for you because I'm going to fly through them very, very quickly. And I need you to, to, to listen attentively here. So the Bible tells us what the kingdom of God is. But the Bible also tells us what the kingdom of God is not. And let me prove this to you. And this is by no means is this exhaustive in, in nature. This is just a couple of samples for you. Here, here's what the kingdom of God is not. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, For the kingdom of God, the, the power, the authority, and the rule of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. It's not a matter of talk, but of power. You could say it this way, too. It's not a matter of politics. It's a matter of power. Politicians, politicians talk, but it's not a matter of talk. It's a matter of power. Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It's not a, you could say it this way. It's not a matter of religion. It's not a matter of rules. It's not about a matter of, well, you'll be made right with God as long as you do what I tell you to do and just carry out these rules, these instructions, and you'll be okay. No, no, the kingdom of God, the power of God, the authority, the rule of God is not about religion. It's not about rules, but it is about righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what it's about. Let, let me ask you a question, because this, again, might confuse some. You say, well, wow, I thought, I thought the kingdom of God was about power, authority, and rule, and now it's saying it's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you a question. If, if you are demonstrating and living under the power, the authority, and the rule of God, are you going to be filled with peace? Are you going to be happy? How many know the kingdom of God is meant for you to live in a manner of peace, in a manner of joy? Why? Okay, so let me, let me say it like this, everybody. 
there's a certain comfort level that comes that knowing that our military is in place to protect us. And there should be a comfort level that comes that God is in place, the God of power and authority and rule, and He is, is going to protect us and He's going to provide for us. See, it's, a, it's, a, it's about a kingdom. It's not about religion. It's about the king, his kingdom, and his royal family. How many know God takes care of his royal family? The king takes care of his royal family. That's what the Bible's about. Now do you see it? Now do you see it? That when we talk about the kingdom of God, we're talking about the awesomeness, the greatness, the power, the rule, the reign of God. And that's meant to make a difference in our lives. So then we, we see what it's not. And there, there's lots more verses about what it isn't. But here's some about what it is. This is found in Mark chapter 4. Jesus began to teach by the lake in verse 3. It said, he said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed And as he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up, and some fell in rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no roots. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Now he's teaching you about the kingdom of God. You're like, I don't see it. How is that teaching us about the power, the authority, and the rule of God? Now watch this. Verse 10, when Jesus was alone, the 12 disciples and the others around him asked him about the parables. And he told them, verse 11, the secret of the kingdom of God has just been given to you. Everybody stop right there. Come on, guys. I just told you about the word that's planted and how it's either received or not received. And you don't get it. And they come to him in all honesty, and they say, no, we don't get it. Can I, can I tell you something? When the disciples came and asked Jesus, said, Jesus, I don't get it. Jesus took time, and he explained it to them, didn't he? Now, he might have said, oh, come on, guys. I thought this would be clear by now. Come on, guys, you don't have enough faith for this. Let me explain it to you. Okay, can I tell you something? When you don't understand things, the Bible says the Holy Spirit is here to guide us into all truth. And it's okay to go to God and say, God, I don't fully understand this. Because there's going to be some people, let me just stop right here. There's going to be some people that leave today, and you're going to understand the the message that, that we're teaching that because you're part of God's royal family, that you can operate under the power, the authority, and the rule of God. That you, you, have, you are a person of authority in Christ because you're part of the royal family. And there's some of you that have just never been taught that. And you're going to walk out of this place saying, I don't know. I don't know. Can I tell you something? Go to God. And say, God, I don't know if I fully understand that. I want to, though, God. And can I tell you what God, the Holy Spirit, is going to do? He's going to explain it to you. And you're going to grow. If you seek him, he's found. And if you seek the truth, you're going to discover it. And I would tell you, open up your Bibles and start reading it for yourself. If you say, Pastor, I just don't know if I take your word for it. I don't care. Don't. Study it for yourselves. I learned a long time ago. 
I, I have to be able to, to teach people to feed themselves. Because if, you're, if, if, you're, if all the nourishment that you're receiving is only on a Sunday morning, you're going to be malnourished. You need to learn to feed yourself. So how did I discover all of these things? I fed myself. I get up every day and read the Bible, study, study the Word of God. Not only study for sermons, but just this morning, not that it had to do anything with my sermon, I just got up and started reading the Word of God. Why? I want to, be a, I want to know the Word of God. I want to be changed by the Word of God. I want to discover it. You know what I'm saying? I want to discover it, it's all there. The truth is all there. I just need to know it. You know what I mean? Truth is what sets me free. If I don't know the truth, then I'm not free. It's good stuff, by the way. So get so feed yourself. During the week, feed yourself. Read the Word of God. Study the Word of God. So Jesus was alone with the twelve, and he asked those disciples, he said, listen, I, I've told you the secret of the kingdom of God. I've, I've told you, it's been given to you, the secret of the kingdom of God. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand the parable? How then will you understand any parable? Verse 14 of Mark chapter 4. The farmer sows the, the word, the word of God. And some people are like seed. By the way, is Jesus the living word? Of course he is. So, so we're, we're talking about the, the written word of God, but I believe we're also talking about the living word of God. And by the way, the word of God is alive. Uh, this book is alive. Verse 15, some people are like the seed along the path where the word was sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. So was it sown in them? The answer is yes, but it was stolen from them. They owned it, they possessed it, but it was stolen from them. Others like seed, see, see I, 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 I used to be judgmental. Maybe sometimes I still am, but God's working in that in me, I guess. But I remember a long time ago, back in the 90s, we used to sing the song, and I hated it. I hated it. It's like, uh, it, it, some of you recognize it. I went to the enemy's camp. Remember that in back in the 90s? I went to the enemy's camp, and I took back what he stole from me. And I, and I always used to think, in my high-mindedness, in, in my pride, I always used to think, that ain't right. I'm not going to sing that song. That ain't right. Not doctrinally correct. Because the devil can't steal anything from me unless I give it to him. You see what I'm saying? I, I had that thought. Like, the devil can't take anything from me unless I just give it to him. If I, if I just choose not to believe anymore or if I, whatever. But, but Jesus said, he, he humbled me, and he said, as soon as some people hear, Satan comes and he takes away the word that was sown in them. They possessed it, and for whatever reason, they lost it. It, it was stolen from them. Now, how that gets stolen, I don't know. But stop being critical of worship songs. That's what the Lord told me. I still struggle with that. <laughs> I'm pretty picky with that stuff. Verse 16, others like seeds sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Verse 18, still others like seeds sown among the thorns hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires, the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others 
like seed sown on good soil where the word, where, hear the word, I'm sorry, hear the word, they accept the word, and it produces a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. So he said, he said hey, the secret of the kingdom, the secret of the kingdom is there's this group of people that hear the word of God, they have good soil in their heart, and it grows, and it produces a harvest. It produces a crop, some 30, some 60, 100-fold, some 100-fold, meaning it, 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 it produces a harvest maybe at different levels, but it's still going to produce a harvest. You say, well, I, fully, I, I still don't fully understand that. Well, hang on, because he's still teaching about it. So then he goes down just a few verses later in Mark chapter 4, verse 26. Mark 4, 26, so literally just six verses later, he also said, and this is Jesus speaking, this is what the kingdom of God is like. So he's still teaching about the kingdom. This is what the power and the authority and the rule of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. You say, see, I don't get it, Justin. I don't, I don't get it. Well, he's not done yet. Let's keep reading. Mark chapter, still verse 4. This is verse 30. And, and again, he said, what shall we say? The kingdom of God is like. What shall we say the power and the authority and the rule of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed. And there we go with the seed again. Come on, Jesus. You've used this illustration now several times. And we're still not getting it. Like, why do you keep using this illustration? But he says, listen, listen, listen. listen. The kingdom of God is, is like this. It's like a mustard seed which is the smallest of all seeds on the earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all the garden plants which such, with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. Now watch this, watch this, watch this, everybody. This is, this is so cool. I love this about Jesus. He's teaching the same thing in different ways. He said, listen, when the word of God is planted in you and it grows and it produces a harvest, some 30, 60, and 100 fold. How many know that's increase? Something has changed. That's increase. And then he goes to Mark chapter 4 and he said, the, seed, the kingdom of God is like a man that scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts, though he doesn't know how. And all of a sudden, all by itself, the soil produces grain. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. How many, how many know that that's saying increase? It's change. Then he goes to the end. He said, well, it's like planting this little bitty mustard seed that grows so big that birds can come and, and take shade in it. What's he saying, everybody? That when the, the word of God is planted in you, when the, the, the seed is planted in you and you have a heart of good soil, it's going to produce something. Let, let me say it this word. What's, what's underground, what, what's underground actually alters the surface. you got to catch this, everybody. I'm teaching you about the power and the authority and the rule of God. 
that when, it's, when it gets planted in us, when it goes underground, it alters the surface what everybody sees. Okay, so, so write this down. Number four, and I'm going to explain it to you more. The kingdom of God, the power, the authority, the rule of God must be formed in us, and then it will flow from us. Oh, i got to stand up for this. The word of God, the kingdom of God, the living word, Jesus Christ, the power, the authority, the rule of God has, been, has to be formed in us before it will flow from us. Now, let me say it this way. What is, what is then on the inside changes what's on the outside. How many are still with me? What's on the inside changes what's on the outside. And you say, okay, how does this apply to me? What, what, what's this? Luke chapter 17, verse 21 says this, For indeed, the kingdom of God, the power, the authority, the rule of God is actually in you. <laughs> so when what's on the inside of us grows because we have hearts of, of good soil and we allow it to grow, What's underground alters what's on the surface. What's on the inside changes what's on the outside. Like, well, I want some change, or I haven't seen any change in me. Well, pastor, it's been a long time since I've experienced change, like real change. Can, can, I, can I point something out to you? When Jesus is going around saying, the kingdom of God is at hand. He, 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 was, he was looking at them and saying, look at me. No, 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 look at me, Jesus would say. Look at me. The power, the authority, and the rule of God is at hand. And he preached it, and he demonstrated it. And, and when you allow the kingdom of God in you, let, let me say it this way. When you allow God's power and his authority and his rule to take over your life on the inside, it will change everything on the outside. It will, let me say it this way, it will alter the surface of your life. It changes everything. And so we pray God, I need you to rule and reign in me. I want you, Father, to plant yourself and your word so deeply in me that nothing but Jesus reigns in my life. And when you get to that point, of saying, Jesus, reign in me. And that takes root. It will grow. And it will produce a harvest. And you'll be changed on the inside, no doubt. But he'll not only alter your insides, he'll alter your outside. He'll not only change you on the inside, he'll change everything on the outside too. 
The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is still at work in the world. The kingdom of God is still at work in this room. The power, the authority, and the rule of God needs to be at work in our lives. So, so, so what's the application? God, reign and rule me. God, reign and rule in me. Because I want to be good soil for, for whatever you need to do in me and whatever you need to do through me. So I, I need the kingdom of God to be formed in me before it can flow from me. I don't know about you, but I, I need more of the power, the authority of rule, and the rule of God in my life. There's still some areas of my life that I don't, I don't know. I'm not convinced that God is really ruling right now. Am I the only one that can say something like that? I think there's some areas of my life that, that Jesus still needs to take over. And, and by the way, that's the same for you too. Because none of us are perfect, right? And we all have issues. And I think we need to stand up together and just surrender ourselves to the Lord. Would you do that with me? Stand up with me. We're going to have a time of prayer. Just respond to this. The entire room this morning has just become an altar that we're going to go to right now. We're just going to have a mass altar call, but you just don't have to come down. The power, the presence of the Lord is just as strong where you are as it is up here. He's filling this room, and our prayer is that he would fill our lives. And I'm going to pray, and I want you to confess. I want you to take a moment here and confess some things, some areas of your life in which God is not ruling, in which he's not in charge. There are some areas of your life in which God just isn't reigning. He's not in control. You haven't relinquished control. Maybe those are some secret sins that you have. Maybe there's some things in your life that God is challenging you about, saying, hey, I'm ready to deal with that now. But you're rejecting him, and you don't want to deal with it. But he wants to deal with it. You know what that is, and I, I cannot confess that for you. Only you can confess that to God. Expose that to God. Say, Father, I have some darkness in my life but I want your light to shine. I want you to reign in me. I think we need to pray that prayer right now. Heavenly Father, there are some places in our life that we haven't fully surrendered to you. But I want to. I long to, actually, God. With all of my heart, Jesus, I make this simple request. Come and rule and reign in me. Now confess those things to the Lord that you need to confess. Just in your hearts. It doesn't have to be out loud. What areas of your life have you not fully submitted to to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Forgive me, Jesus.
for failing to surrender this area of my life to you. Rule and reign there. I submit to your lordship. I submit to your power and your authority and your rule in my life. And I pray, Lord, let your kingdom come and let your will be done in me. In me, Lord. Change me, God. Holy Spirit, empower me. Empower me to live with kingdom authority. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing, Lord, to you at all times, in all things. take over my life. And I thank you for doing it. In Jesus' name. As a church, it's our honor to play a part in what God is doing in your life. And we would love to continue on that journey with you. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to www dot new dash song dash church dot com backslash next steps thank you to all of you who consistently give serve and pray you are the ones that god is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of christ we hope you tune in next week